Welcome to A Lawyer's Guide to the Galaxy, a podcast about geek culture by lawyers with your hosts, Ben Siders and Kirk Damon. Welcome back to A Lawyer's Guide to the Galaxy, the podcast that asks interesting questions that don't have any answers with your host, Ben Siders, that's me, and the other guy is Kirk Damon. We are intellectual property lawyers and certified geeks practicing law in St. Louis, Missouri. You can find me, Ben, on Twitter at Benjamin Siders, and you can find Kirk at KirkDMN. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at LGGPod and find this information on our webpage, www.lggpodcast.com. Today is another uh, Ben flying solo episode. We are still uh, officially quarantined, and although Kirk and I are trying to get back together to do uh, an episode together, we haven't uh, been able to coordinate schedules yet on that but we have some ideas for that we might do an episode where we provide um i suggested this to kirk and text and he hasn't answered me yet but we may do something uh, another star wars episode for fun uh where we talk about either predictions from mandalorian season two or uh maybe suggestions on what we would have done to improve uh the the sequels what we would have done differently um so but today's episode is going to be a continuation of my prior edamame episode about music and although usually with music we think of it in terms of copyright, um, I actually have an interesting case I'm looking at involving music in the patent sphere. And we don't talk about patents on the show as much as I'd like to. I think patents are interesting. Uh, so does Kirk. It's it's what we spend a lot of our time doing. Um, but it's it's hard to find good patent cases that are accessible and generally understandable. Because patent law is very complicated, very difficult. Uh, but I've got one here that I just heard about. Uh, there's a, a professor of uh, patent law at uh, Mizzou named Dennis Crouch. Uh, met Dennis a few times. And uh, he runs a blog called Patently O, where uh, he talks about various interesting cases. And a Federal Circuit decision recently came down in a case captioned Ubisoft versus Musician uh, involving a software patent. And since software is sort of a, a geeky thing that for a lot of you who are in IT is probably near and dear to your hearts, and I've found that uh, software engineers tend to have very strong opinions about how software patents uh, do work or should work, I thought this might be uh, a, good, a good topic to cover, both to continue the discussion of music begun in the prior episode and introduce a, a new type of IP that this pertains to. So the case uh, is really about a software patent. If, if you're not familiar with Musician, I'm not familiar with Ubisoft, but I have used Musician before. Musician is um, a mobile device app that is designed to help you learn to play mostly the guitar, but I think they've also got stuff for banjo and bass and ukulele. And so, uh, and I, I take it Ubisoft. Ubisoft has a competing app called Rocksmith, which I've never used before. I uh, right now I subscribe to uh, Ultimate Guitar to get uh, tabs and things like that. And uh, I've got a, a one-year Fender Play subscription that came with my guitar, which now that I think about it, I haven't used much, and I probably should use more. But at any rate, Musician um, was sued by Ubisoft for infringing a patent that Ubisoft owned covering what they call interactive guitar games. If you've ever played Guitar Hero, that should be concerning. But no, this has nothing to do with Guitar Hero. Uh, the patent in question covers functional software stored on the mobile device, which provides an interactive game for playing a song on a guitar. And it recites the following... Uh, the app shows the finger notation on the display corresponding to the song to be played. So basically, where you should put your fingers on the fretboard to play the song. 
Um, the app receives audio input from the guitar that corresponds to the song that the person is playing and then assesses the performance and determines uh, a portion of the performance that could be improved or should be improved. And then it changes the difficulty level of the fingering notations based on that assessment. And it generates a mini game targeted to improving the user's skills associated with the problematic portion. So that's a mouthful. Let's, let's break that down a little bit. If you're not familiar with how to play a guitar, and I'm always surprised by how many people don't understand how a guitar works. Um, fundamentally, the guitar is uh, um, a, a geometric invention. Um, it has six strings. Well, a regular guitar has six strings uh, strung across um, a decent distance. I forget how long, but probably two and a half feet or so, maybe a little longer. Uh, the strings are pulled very tight, and when you pluck one, it vibrates and emits a sound. Pretty straightforward. The frequency of the sound depends upon the tightness and the thickness of the strings. So thicker strings produce a lower sound, thinner st strings produce a, a higher pitched sound, and then the tightness. The tighter you wind it, the higher pitched the sound is going to be because when you pluck it, it's going to vibrate more rapidly and produce you know, a higher frequency uh, mechanical wave. So the guitar is six strings uh, in parallel, uh, various thick various uh, levels of tension, uh, but each string has a, a natural tone and you want each one of them to be tuned to a specific note. So, the, so here, I'll get my acoustic guitar out and show you. So the lowest string is an E, low E, kind of sounds like that, that one's out of tune. The highest string is a high E, so those should be the same note. So I can play them both together, they kind of sound the same. You change the pitch of the string by pressing down on the fretboard, that's the long part with the horizontal bars on it, uh, right behind the string. And each fret, each one of those horizontal metal bars, changes the pitch by about a half of a step. So if I play my high E, if I put my finger behind the first fret and play it again, it goes up to an F. Again, F sharp, again, G. And you put them all together. And that's how you can play a song. So um, that's how the guitar works. It's pretty straightforward. And then by putting your fingers in different positions behind different frets, you can change each one of these notes to be part of a chord. So if I'm going to do, I talked about the, the one, four, five uh, chords in the last episode. So I can, you know, do an, a C major, which I played on the piano. And then the fourth would be F. And the fifth is G. I just play those by altering where my fingers are on the fretboard to cause each note to be the notes in the chords. If you get good at this, you can switch them around very quickly and play songs. Um, it doesn't take that much practice to be able to play basic songs. Trust me, I am not good. So um, this, this app is basically trying to teach you that finger positioning. It's going to give you a song to play. It shows you where the fingers are supposed to go. And then it listens to the output from your actual guitar and tries to figure out what you're doing right or wrong. This is a relatively new thing. Um, you know, we didn't used to really have the uh, technology to listen to an entire chord and figure out which part of it was out of tune. Um, you know, or, or wrong, picking out um, just one tone in um, a mixed recording of tones is not easy. Uh, but we now have that. We have uh, polyphonic um, 
uh, tuners that you can play you know the entire guitar and it will tell you which string is sharp or flat so we can do that now and that's what this app does ubisoft sued musician over this so what's what's the big deal why are we even talking about this well the, the reason has to do with something called section 101 of the patent you know patents don't exist you know by themselves they exist because congress passed a law saying what you can patent and what the requirements are to patent it that's in section 101 you can patent a machine you can patent uh, a method or a process for doing something uh, things like that uh, software is usually patented as a method that is carried out using a microprocessor or a computer processor, and that's what this one is. And we usually describe what the patent covers based on the functionality of the software that is being executed on the processor. So we'll say computer-aided method for uh, learning to use the guitar, or learning to play the guitar, then we describe what the software does. Uh, we might also describe it as an apparatus claim where we say what we're claiming is a set of programming instructions on a computer readable storage media which when executed by the microprocessor and then describing again how the software works and that's that's how this one's written ubisoft sued musician for i presume musician had their own app that did something similar and uh musician uh, fought back and the courts had to decide, is this actually a proper patent or not? Should this have been issued? And this was examined under this Section 101, whether it's even eligible for software or for, uh, for patent protection. Now, 10 years ago, this would have been an easy question. Yes, it is. It is eligible. Uh, but in 2014, the Supreme Court issued a decision called Alice versus CLS Bank, where they clarified that there is, uh, well, they didn't clarify, there's always been an abstract idea exception to patent eligibility. Even if the thing you're trying to patent is otherwise eligible under the plain language of the statute, the idea behind patents is to encourage innovation by protecting inventions. Inventions are solutions to problems. What you are not supposed to do is patent the basic tools of scientific and technological discovery and progress. So, for example, example Samuel Morse was able to patent the telegraph machine, but you can't patent the idea of using an electromagnetic transmission to, to convey data. That's too broad. That's not what he invented. That's just something that can inherently happen. And once you know how to generate a radio signal, you know, th this abstract, you know, that, that's an abstract idea. Those are the basic tools. That's the underlying scientific phenomenon. This has been more difficult to apply to software because for a long time, a lot of software patents were written uh, in, in, a, in a style of basically uh, just describing the way things had already been done, the way businesses work, ordinary human activities, and just saying, oh, and we're doing it on a computer. And in the Alice case, they kind of clarified uh, how that's supposed to work. And they said that if the method or the thing that you're having the computer do is itself already known, then adding a computer to it, uh, does it, you know, that by itself does not make it patentable. You can't just take, for example, the way that, um, um, you know, I think Alice was about mediated settlements. You can't just take the way that a mediated settlement is resolved and then just write computer code to implement it and patent that computer code because then you're locking up the entire idea of computerizing an everyday process. Turning to Ubisoft and Musician, that's fundamentally the question is, is, is Ubisoft's patent um, actually reflecting an invention, something that, that's technological, or is it just taking the way that you know, guitar lessons are taught anyway and implementing it via computer. If you think about it, you know, if you're sitting down with a human tutor 
to learn to play the guitar, what are they going to do? They're going to give you a song to play. They're going to show you where to put your fingers. They're going to watch where you put your fingers. They're going to receive audio input from the guitar based on the song that you're playing. They're going to assess the performance. They're going to pick out which part should be improved. And, you know, the parts you're already good at, they may increase the complication or the difficulty of the fingering notations. The, the one part that is a little different is generating the mini game. But even then, you know, my, my daughter's in guitar lessons now, and there's a lot of little exercises you do with your fingers. There's caterpillars, there's seesaws, there's all these little things that you do to develop finger strength. Um, another common one you do is, you know, you bar a fret with your first finger and then use your other three fingers to try to duplicate chords that are off key. Uh, it's really hard to do because some chords require four fingers and you've only got three to spare if you do that. So, you know, even the mini game idea um, wasn't enough. And, the, you know, the way that this particular patent was written, it just used broad functional descriptions of what it did without really explaining how. And the how has been a big deal in software patents. And that's often what distinguishes an attempt to monopolize the entire field by claiming it broadly from a specific technological improvement on how you do that. For example, they don't explain how they assess the performance. They don't talk about the algorithms. They don't talk about, um, you know, what they're looking for. I'm, I'm guessing. They can't claim those things because they didn't invent them. Now, the court in the decision didn't go through the whole analysis of human tutors because there is a, a very... Um, detailed framework that they have to use uh, for assessing patentability. Uh, but they often focus on what they call specific asserted improvements in the computer's capabilities rather than just a process for implementing an abstract idea where the computer is just a tool. And again, in this case, they, uh, they the court was um, persuaded by the argument that the claim language just recited the abstract process of learning to play guitar, but without reciting any particular way of programming or designing the software. So they presented notations, received input, assessed performance, determined weaknesses, changed difficulty level, but no real detail on how that's done. Going a step further, the specification, which is where you describe those details, still didn't really explain it. They didn't explain the process or machinery required Required to achieve it. Well, if, if that's the case, then it's just a general purpose computer and you just wrote some software that, that you know, takes things that are already known uh, and, and put them together to, to you know, to, to do what you'd expect it to do. Now, a lot of patent practitioners have, um, while not necessarily disagreed with the idea that software patents should be more limited than they had been, um, a lot of us have not been thrilled with how the analysis was done. Because if you, th so let me back up a step further. To get a patent under U.S. law, you got to do three things. You have to invent something that is, one, useful, and this is called the utility requirement. It's very broad, and I've never once seen a case get rejected for lack of utility. Uh, you, yes, you can't patent things that you know don't work. Uh, two, you can't patent something that already exists. That's called the novelty requirement. It has to be new. And then three, it can't be an obvious improvement over or combination of existing technologies. And this is usually where the big argument is at the patent office. Everything is an improvement or a combination of existing technologies in at least some sense. So, you know, it's almost always the case that the patent office can find all the individual pieces of your invention somewhere in the world already, maybe just not put together in the exact same way that you have. So... It may be that Ubisoft had the first, um, you know, gu guitar application of this kind, entirely possible, but is it obvious to do that? Basically, you know, if I say guitar application, don't you pretty much already know what's going to be in it? 
Uh, they just took the way that you you take um, you know that you teach guitar in a in a formal setting and put it in an app. I mean, it's not a bad idea. I like it. I kind of want to check it out now um, after reading this case. But you know, whether it's a good idea or commercially valuable or cool is a whole separate question from whether it's patentable. The Alice analysis that the Supreme Court gave under Section 101. What they're really saying is doing something on a computer at this point in in the history of humankind, the use of computers is so widespread, so ubiquitous. That the idea of just implementing something that's already known in computer software, unless you had some kind of computer problem to solve to make that happen, that's just going to be obvious. Unfortunately, they chose they chose the analytical framework of eligibility, saying it's not eligible for patent protection at all, rather than saying it's it's obvious unless you've got something else to it. And this has generated six years of uncertainty in our patent system as far as what is patentable and what is not, and it continues to bedevil the industry. Uh, that these two things were conflated. So, you know, in Ubisoft's case, had the Supreme Court issue the Alice decision under Section 103, obviousness, rather than Section 101, eligibility, the analysis would basically be the same, but it would be a little more intuitive, I think. Instead of saying it's not eligible for patent protection because it's an abstract idea, we'd say all you've done is taken how tutors teach guitars and implemented it in a software application. That's obvious to do. So unless you've got some kind of engineering problem that you had to solve while doing that, for example, how did you uh, analyze the sound input from the guitar to figure out if there's a problem with the performance? How did you know which string is off? How did you know which ones are right? You know, where are the details and how that's done? That's a problem. That's a solution to or an engineered solution to a problem. And that's the kind of thing you can patent. It's an actual invention. But listening to the sound a guitar makes and noticing if it sounds bad, that's, that's been around for a long time. I've played guitar, and trust me, I can tell you that there is prior art out there for people criticizing poor guitar performances. I know it for a fact. And that's, that's really all that, that that claim said. So anyway, uh, so this, this is kind of where the state of software patents are right now. We've got this idea of not letting software patents slip out that are written so broadly that they monopolize an entire field without being limited or or narrowed to a specific problem or a specific invention, a specific implementation. Uh, we call this the practical application rule, which is something that was recently added to the analytical framework in January of, of last year. There has to be a practical application that is that is doing something more than just taking the idea itself and just doing it in software. And that's where uh, Ubisoft fell down here. So. Anyway, so that's uh, my little uh, quick take on uh, patents. Um, there's a lot more I could say about that, but I don't want to go too long here on it. A very detailed, specific analytical framework, but I have heard from some of you out there that you're interested in and curious about software patents and how they work. And, um, you know, I've, I've also heard people kind of misunderstand the Alice decision as eliminating software patents. It didn't. So I wanted to just give a little overview of that. And I thought, given the, our last episode where I talked about music, uh, was a nice segue into this episode, which also talks about music. I'm going to do a third episode that is also kind of about music. That is going to be about the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, which is currently being revisited by Congress. And one of the major issues that it addresses or that the DMCA is used for is takedown notices for pirated music, pirated TV shows, pirated movies, things like that. And and the use of music in YouTube videos continues to be a major problem. So um, this is kind of a universal topic that I think you know be of interest to every 
everybody's in the era of Twitter and YouTube. I'll be going into kind of where that stands, how the DMCA works, and and where Congress is on addressing that. So on that note, I'm going to wrap it up. So in the meantime, check out our website, lggpodcast.com. It has links to the various platforms where you can download prior episodes or get in touch with us. Uh, Find us on Twitter, Facebook, and contact us by email. All of those links and directions to find us are on the website. Uh, If you would, subscribe to the podcast on the platforms. Give us reviews. Help new listeners find us. Uh, You can find me on Twitter at Benjamin Siders, and you can find Kirk at KirkDMN. That is all for today. We'll see you next time. Borum, play us out. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Lewis Rice LLC, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. This podcast was produced and recorded in St. Louis, Missouri. 